welcome to the Grace at Last podcast. Here we hope you find freedom from religion and traditions passed down by man that God never intended for us to struggle with. Let's quit looking around us and begin to look within at God in us and realize all we need is already there. Together, guided by the Holy Spirit, let's learn what God really thinks of us and discover what is pleasing to Him. I think we're going to find out it's a whole lot easier than what we thought. Hi, Corrine here, and welcome to episode 40 of our Grace at Last podcast. In our last episode, episode 39, we talked about the Holy Spirit and who He is in our lives. Does He come and go like the days of Jeremiah and David? Or can we be confident in our security that God has provided through Christ and His sacrifice and life in us? We talked about the Holy Spirit being the one that unites us to God and enables us to communicate with Him. We barely touched the surface of who He is and what He has done, but we did get a little bit of ground covered last week, and today I want to continue with that thought and build upon what we talked about. And the reason that I'm making these podcasts is because God has given me an opportunity to correct some things that I got wrong by repeating what other people believed. And today I'm free of that, and I'm not tuned into others and what they're threatening, that they will quit my team if I disagree, kick me out of the club, pull all of their support, and try to make everyone boycott me. I get to believe what I think is true, what I believe is the truth. And I say all of that because it's exactly what I experienced when I heard about the truth of the gospel of grace, the new covenant, and I wanted to share it with others. It actually made me realize all the more that I wanted no part of that corporate religion, and I certainly didn't want to mimic the behavior that I saw in other people. In other words, I don't want what you have. I have something better, and I'm not going back. And I say that to you to prepare you that you might have to make some difficult choices someday if you're not going to be persuaded to go back to the law and leave grace behind. And that's what usually happens, and it is what happened in the day of Jesus and the Pharisees too. It was the leaders that were afraid to let go of the control of the people through the law of Moses and tell them that they were free in the new covenant. They were afraid that they would lose control of the people and that the people wouldn't follow them anymore. And in my experience, I've had some believe and be drawn to the grace message and they take it to their pastor or to their leader and their pastor or their leader immediately puts it down and puts a stop to it and says, no, that's not true. And usually the people will follow their leader. They'll follow what their pastor says. And again, just like in the day of Jesus and the Pharisees, they were controlling the people. And that was the motive of not telling them of the freedom that they had in Jesus. Again, afraid that the people would begin to follow him and what he was saying and no longer listen to the people or to the leaders and what they were saying. I'm writing some courses on the book of Hebrews and Ephesians, and I'm trying really hard not to control other people and tell them what to think. I'm conscious of when I'm doing that because it's really easy to fall into that, to say what I believe is the truth, but I don't want to lead to conclusions. I want the Holy Spirit to be the one to lead each one into truth. So I'm just trying to ask some questions that will prompt some curiosity, and then the Holy Spirit fills in the blanks. And one of the things that I used to believe that I see differently today is from the Old Covenant, and it's found in Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah was a prophet for God in the Old Covenant, and the Old Covenant is how God related to man 
through the blood and sacrifice of animals. And in Jeremiah 17, 9, this is what Jeremiah says. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. And because of that, I thought those scriptures and those words were speaking to me. I thought I could not trust my heart. I thought I was always vulnerable of missing it and being led astray. My heart is not only wicked, but it's desperately wicked. That's not good news at all. When I remember the single most important thing that I learned that has completely changed my relationship with God is understanding timelines. Understanding timelines in the Bible and when the new covenant started. And Jeremiah was steeped in the law, under the law of Moses, speaking to Jewish people. And yet I took it on and as a truth for myself. If you're unsure about the timelines of the old and the new covenant, you can listen to the Grace at Last podcast, episode eight, and you'll know what I'm referring to. But again, in a nutshell, Jeremiah was in the old covenant relationship with God, not in the new covenant relationship like you and I. And some really big events happened after Jeremiah said those words. Jeremiah, again, living under the law, living under the law of Moses in the Old Covenant, did not have the Holy Spirit living in him. Jeremiah was a voice for the Lord, trying to get Israel to stop going their own way and return to the Lord and to trust him. God used prophets and kings and angels and dreams to speak to the Jews before Jesus came to the earth and brought in the new covenant of grace. And Jeremiah, well, he was one of those prophets. And in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 5, the Bible says, Why has this people, Jerusalem, turned away in continual apostasy? They hold on to deceit. They refuse to return. That's Jeremiah 8, 5. It would not make sense for me to go to Jeremiah 8, 5 or Jeremiah 17, 9 and pull out scripture and think that it's referring to me. Because again, that's not how God is speaking today. God is speaking through Jesus. And in Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions, and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son. That's Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. I don't need to run back into the law of Moses and grab things that were said without asking the question, Is that true for me today, living under the new covenant of grace? Is this a situation that, or is this a truth that I need to grab a hold of and think that I need to live this out? God had also promised to his people under the law of Moses, the nation of Israel, that he would give them a new heart. In Ezekiel 36, 26, God says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26. This was a promise to Israel that God would cleanse and purify them from their sin, that he would give them a new heart. And we've already been cleansed of sin by the blood of Jesus. Ezekiel spoke of a day coming, but we speak of a day past. This is the new covenant, this new heart, that wicked, deceitful heart would be taken away and they would be given a tender heart of flesh, a heart of flesh, he says. And in Hebrews 1, 3, it says, And when he, Jesus, had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 1, 3. 
What does it mean that Jesus made purification of sins and then he sat down? Well, with Jesus' one-time offering, he made us perfect. He made purification of sins. He purified us. He completely cleansed us of sin. He fully forgave us, completely sanctified us, made us whole and righteous to God. We are not looking ahead, waiting like Jeremiah, but we live in the fulfillment of it because of what Christ has done. My heart is not wicked. I've been given a new heart because of the new covenant of grace. The Jews' heart of stone represented the tablets that the Ten Commandments were written on, the law relationship that they shared with God. The heart of stone also represented a hard, unrepentant heart that turns away from God and that God promised to give them a tender heart that would result in them drawing near, not a hard, unrepentant heart. Through Ezekiel, God was promising a new heart, a soft heart, a heart of grace and a kindness that through the Holy Spirit dwelling in them that would be responsive to God. And in the new covenant of grace, God does not lead man by writing down instructions to follow. He leads man by living in them and speaking and imparting wisdom and revelation in a loving, united relationship as one. Why would we want to go back and quote Jeremiah as if our condition were the same as his. Now that I think about it, I can't understand why we're not talking about the new covenant all the time in the churches and at seminars. And the reality of it is, most churches have never preached a message on the new covenant. They may say that they do, but preaching a message and teaching a message that it is about the blood of Jesus and not a group of books and their table of contents I don't think I've ever heard that in church. And one of the reasons that we're not hearing it in church is because they're not teaching it in seminaries. They're not teaching the new covenant. They may tell them to do a paper or a research on the new covenant, but they're going to call that a compilation of books. And they're taught that the Old Testament, well, it's Genesis through Malachi. And seminaries are teaching that they're both pretty much still in effect. And there's very little requirement of understanding even expected from the student. You and I have a voice. And if God is revealing the new covenant of grace, let's remember to share it when we can. It's the best kept secret out there. Let's tell everyone what God has given us in his spirit as a down payment and a guarantee of eternal life. He has given us his love through the person of the Holy Spirit. And we will not be disappointed when we believe this truth. Romans 5 5 says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I'm going to read it again. (laughs) And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Romans 5 5. God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us, Paul says. This is an incredible promise and the fulfillment of Ezekiel's promise to the Jews under the old covenant system that they were under with God. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the gospel that fulfilled Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the other prophets that told of the life and death of the Messiah that would come. And when Jesus ascended on high, the Holy Spirit descended, and we read about that in the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Acts 2.38 says, Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 2.38. God gave me a new heart when he gave me the Holy Spirit. And that's not a wicked heart. God's the giver of good things. And all things related to Jesus, well, it's all good news. What's the good news? Our sins and our lawless deeds, God will remember no more. We can rest from our works like God rested from his. We can know the law of Moses is over and a new covenant of grace is the covenant that God is now relating to man. He has made the law obsolete and brought in something better, the final and complete sacrifice for sin. And now we just get to appreciate and enjoy it. We don't work for it. That's it. God wants us to understand that he loves us so much that he made it all perfect for us with no help from us. And he did it in such a way we can't mess it up. That's why he can guarantee it because we're not in the equation. He's the one backing it up and he knows that he can't fail. His promises are true and we can trust in the finished work of the cross and the resurrection. And we can trust our hearts. After all, Jesus lives in there. There's not a more trustworthy place to put our faith and our life than in his loving hands. Let's pay attention when we're thinking old covenant thoughts and mistaking it for truths because we found it in the Bible and we're not considering the timeline. Let's make sure that the Bible has got a clear division of old covenant, which is how God related to man through the blood of animals for the forgiveness of sin and the new covenant that we currently live in that began after Jesus's death and resurrection And we relate to God on the basis of the blood of his son, not on the blood of animals. And all are invited. And we read about that and we learn about that in the book of Ephesians. The holy God is not the source of bad things ever. There's no bad in God. Good things come from God. Bad things come from evil. And it's hard to believe that God's blessing us and cursing us at the same time. It leaves us unsure. And that's, again, why I want you to know that there's no bad from God. It's all good. God has gone to great lengths to convey what he's done in the death and resurrection of his son. And he wants us to rest and enjoy the complete forgiveness that he has provided and the complete removal of sin. Jesus did what the high priest and the old covenant could never do. Hebrews 10 verses 11 through 18 says, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. Verse 14, Hebrews 10, for by one offering he has perfected For all time, those who are sanctified and the Holy Spirit also testifies to us. For after saying, verse 16, this is the covenant which I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws upon their hearts and I will write them on their mind. He then says in verse 17 of Hebrews 10 and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will no longer remember. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, an offering for sin is no longer required. That is Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 18. Jesus took care of it, and all we can do is thank him. All we can do is trust him. And I pray that as God continues to open our minds to what he's done, and the love that he has for us, and the Holy Spirit 
pouring his love into our hearts that we would continue to realize more and more that there's nothing that he wants us to do but to trust him. There's nothing that he desires but to believe what he has said about his son and what he has said about us. And I pray you join me next week as we continue to look at the Holy Spirit in our lives and we continue to look at what he has done, not only for us, but what he has done to us. Thank you so much for joining us today for our Grace at Last podcast. We hope you learned a truth that will set you free and keep you living in the it is finished promise Jesus declared at the cross. Go to lastministry.org to learn more about who we are and what we're all about as we share this incredible inheritance God has given us in His Son.